Girl, did you bring a map? I didn't. You didn't bring a map? Does anybody have a map? Are we doing a Dear Evan Hansen single? No, or? it's just that I'm lost. I'm lost in pain Lindsay's eyes. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> Those perfect blue steel marbles. <laughs> One more question. What? Do you think it hurt when he fell from heaven? <laughs> you should be saying this to him, not me. I'm not your audience. I have this. said this to him. <laughs> Uh, you guys, before we get to the show, we've got a ton of announcements, but we're going to go through it really quick. All right, let's go. We're making our Broadway debut. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, June 1st, TCO is playing Broadway. you got to be there for this history-making oh event. It's going to be bonkers. Oh, my God. We launched a new podcast. Yeah. You guys, I'm dying for you to go subscribe. It's called Obsessed with Abducted in Plain Sight. It's me and Sky Borgman, the director of the film. It's a four-episode series launching March 2nd. I subscribed. If you don't, you're on my list. It's very easy. <laughs> and third, we're on tour, you guys. We're sold out everywhere. There are tickets available in Seattle because we sized up the venue. Uh-huh. So Seattle fam, go to truecrimeobsessed.com, click on the CS Live link, get your ticks. Yep. And then lastly, girl, yeah. if you want more Jillian and me and you can't see us live around Broadway, head on over to Patreon. Ooh. Patreon is where we do the series that you guys want us to cover. Right. So I'm going to... I'm gonna Name pick, three. Okay, three. three. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, all 20 episodes of Making a Murderer. Yes. The Jinx and Lorena. Yes. Ah, there's and three. There's and so so <laughs> I just feel like I have to... Like, no whammies. Like, I did it. <laughs> there's so, so many more, you guys. Check them out. Everything is ad-free. Over 100 apps. Over 100 full bonus episodes for you to download right this second. Look, is that the fastest we've ever done this? I think so. It feels great. I know. <laughs> it feels like I just ran a marathon. Totally. I'm into fitness now. <laughs> Girl, what Girl. are we talking about today? All right, we're talking about Up and Vanished, Tara Grinstead. I have some questions. <laughs> yeah, it's Up and Vanished, the Oxygen series. It's Payne Lindsay's documentary version of his podcast. It's very much Payne Lindsay's thing. Just yes. ask him, he'll tell you. My, I have Questions. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the worst podcaster ever because yeah. I'm not in on the true crime like podcast tea the drama. Tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me say this: Up and Vanished, the podcast was always like incredibly popular, whether right. people liked Payne Lindsay or not. He he did it. Payne Lindsay was like that guy where it was ads everywhere. He was cross promoting with everybody. His podcast was like at the top of the charts. It didn't matter if people liked him or not. He really cared about this Tara Grinstead case. It was near where he was from. Mm-hmm. He was really into it. He wasn't a podcaster. He's like a documentary filmmaker. He didn't care about the rules of the podcasting world. His whole thing was like he was just going to go out and try to solve this case. Right. And he didn't care what you thought about it. Well, why did people not like him? You know, I've met Payne several times. He is so sweet and so genuine and so nice. He just wasn't here to make friends necessarily. Mm. He is now. I mean, he's so involved in the community. He sponsors Podcast Movement every year. Oh, great. He just Mm. did the whole thing differently. And, you know, he and Rabia had some beef and we talked to Rabia before we decided to do this. You just said beef. Oh, my God. Oh. But they hugged it out and Payne's just been around ever since. You know, he wasn't into the rules of the game and I respect that. It was, right. he was doing his own thing and and now I look at his face and I can't control myself. I know, he ticks everything on the Patrick Hines list. <laughs> he ticks every box. Payne, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I don't mean to be weird but you're so cute. Oh, don't apologize. This is Payne if you're listening. It's a hundred and however, two hundred episodes of this. Come on. I have opinions I know, we all for, do. For this episode but when I, when I meet him, I'm gonna yeah. say when. Of course. I'm gonna reserve opinions for when I meet him in person. Yeah, you're I feel gonna like that's very him. important. We're all gonna go for cocktails. Oh, I wanted to say Meredith, who's in this documentary, was on the panel with me, and she is the best. Meredith has one of my favorite moments in this whole goddamn thing. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't wait. She to has one it. of my favorite. It's silent, so I'm gonna have to describe it. You can't play it, but it's one of my favorite moments. I've watched it six thousand times. It should be a gif. It's a whole thing. I'm obsessed with it. It's a small town, and everybody knows everybody. 
but people are not who you may think they are, and monsters are real. Tara Grinstead was last seen heading home from a barbecue with friends. We don't have any leads. Osceola came together and we did a search. It was clear the killer was someone in their midst, but they didn't know who. For two years, I dedicated every day to this case, searching for the truth. No more silence, no more small town secrets. If somebody does know something, then I'm trying to find out. Police say Ryan Alexander Duke broke into her home, robbed and killed the teacher with his bare hands, and then hid the body. I don't believe that Ryan participated in this crime alone. I think two people were involved in the murder. I heard Bo Duke's name from several former friends and classmates of Ryan Duke right when Ryan Duke was arrested. The government thinks he's a liar. How do they know which one's the lie and which one's the truth? If you're confessing to a murder, there's only one version of what happened. But did he do it? Tell the truth. That's my message. Just tell the truth. We don't have the truth yet. We need to know it all. Uh, girl, do you want to get us started? Yeah, well, it's basically every cliche we've ever heard. Yeah. It's a small, close-knit town. Everyone knew each other. Monsters are real. Tara lit up a room. It's all, it's just. The establishing shot is of the water tower. Yeah, it's, I mean, we've seen it all before. And as it came out of my mouth, it's no shade to Tara at all. We don't victim blame or shame on of this podcast. Course. But it's just the writing, you know, what she has all these like great pictures of her. I have no pictures of me when I was younger. I the other thing about Tara is... We get to this eventually. The thing that you need to know most about Tara, because people refer to her as the beauty queen, Tara could care less about the crowns and the titles. Tara got into doing beauty pageants for one reason, to pay for her education. She really was just in it for the money for school, which I love and respect. Totally. And every video of her, you can tell, was made for a pageant because she's always wearing the tiara. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, look, if I ever won a beauty contest, probably not going to happen. But if I ever did and they gave me a tiara, I would also never take it off. Right. I don't know that world. <laughs> but I have to tell you, as a woman, that must be so uncomfortable to I be know. wearing it all the time. I would be afraid that it would fall off my hair. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much hair as uh-huh. Tara Well, that, that means that they would really d- put it in there. The bobby pins, girl, you don't want to know. It hurts. You get a headache from it. You guys, it's Saturday, October 22nd, 2005. We're in Osceola, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Osceola, Georgia was preparing for the Sweet Potato Festival beauty pageant. 30-year-old Tara Grinstead, a former beauty queen herself, was mentoring a house full of teenage girls, getting ready for the event. At 5 p.m., Tara leaves her house and heads to the Fitzgerald Theater, where she watches the pageant. So we're talking about 30-year-old Tara Grinstead. Mm-hmm. And she's doing this thing that sounds really terrible to me, which is mentoring a house full of teenage girls getting ready for this sweet potato queen pageant. Yeah, so not a mother. No. Uh, but I do appreciate that someone who's been through it before is, I yes. assume, trying to be like, everyone, take a deep goddamn breath and sit down and have some water and relax. It's not that big a deal. I'm just imagining it's like the bitchy drag ball where there's like sprinkles 100%. up like shards of glass in people's makeup. Totally. And Tara's trying to say, everybody stop it. <laughs> not on on my watch. She's the voice of reason in this room. No question. She's a teacher. Don't, don't. Like she's just like enough. Absolutely. Stacy? Right. Melinda? I've asked you twice. I'm not going to do it again. You can get yourself to the pageant, Stacy. <laughs> Shape up or ship out. Yeah. 
So Tara goes to the theater to watch the pageant, and she leaves by 7 o'clock. At 8 p.m., Tara arrives at a barbecue. At 11 p.m., Tara leaves the barbecue and says she's going home. It's the last place anyone sees Tara Grinstead alive. So the pageant was, what, like 5 to 7? I guess. I thought pageant was like the thing you do that night. Right. <laughs> well, 7 o'clock in the Scylla, it seems like it's TikTok bedtime o'clock. Girl, it's not you. You have to stop projecting your early bedtime on everybody. <laughs> like, 7 o'clock sounds so... To be at a barbecue for three hours, ending at 11 o'clock? You've already, you've already quipped by 7 yeah, o'clock. <laughs> totally. I just have in huge letters, this day sounds exhausting. It, it does. She's been mentoring young girls all day, and then she had to go to a barbecue? Get out of here. Get out of here. So, as she leaves this barbecue at 11, and she says she's going home, and it's the last place that she's seen alive. Yes. And so, I know how you love confusing names. <laughs> when I watched this, I said, she's going to have a real problem. She's really going to struggle. We have Ryan Duke. Yes. Who is charged with the murder of Tara Grinstead. Yes. And Bo Dukes, who's charged as an accomplice. No relation. So, again, Ryan Duke. Yeah. Bo Dukes. And like sweet, beautiful pain with those perfect blue marbles and that oh, hair for okay. days. It's like 32-year-old Bo Dukes. No relation to Ryan Duke. Yeah, because they're two completely different names. You know who thinks they have the same last name? Nancy Grace. <laughs> she thinks they both have the last name Dukes. And Payne takes pains right. to say their names back to her several times, and she just doesn't get it. She thinks they're both named Dukes. So Ryan Duke was arrested for Tara's murder. Then there's this Bo Dukes character who openly admitted to the cops that he was involved and helped dispose of Tara's body with Ryan. What do you make of Bo Dukes? I'm still trying to figure out if I hate him as much as I hate Ryan Dukes. But we get Payne to camera, and he, look, Payne is that like kind of skinny kid that has great style. Oh my style. God, we are just gonna have to get to the facts of the case. I know. <laughs> Eventually we're gonna have to talk about what the fuck happened. I get it. Tall drink of water, cute and glasses, beautiful eyes. Listen, we haven't even gotten to the glasses yet. When it gets to the glasses, I actually, I literally ask for a fainting couch. <laughs> Payne, Payne is staring directly into my soul. I'm sure he is. And he's got this shirt that's all the way buttoned up to like his neck. So it's a person wearing a shirt. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I've never seen anybody button it all the way up before. Pain, that's got to be uncomfortable. Tweet like, me. Sweetie, it's gotta can be... you breathe in there? What's happening? Yeah, un unbutton that. Yeah, so the thing is, so we have Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes. Pain and his team not convinced that Ryan Duke committed the murder. My team and I are not convinced that Ryan Duke committed the actual murder. We also think that Bo Dukes may have been more involved than he's admitting. Osceola is a small town with a population of only 3,000. How could these two former students keep this dark secret for over a decade without anyone else knowing about it? You know what? He kind of wins me over in this argument. So he's saying... Totally. Well, he, the facts also. Right. <laughs> I know the facts might not have crystal blue eyes, but the facts are what won me over. So the thing is, it's like, all right, it's a super small town. How could this be a secret for over a decade? Yeah. The time, if you remember the timeline, it's been like 12 years. Right. And we kind of learned that, it, girl, it hasn't been. <laughs> exactly. So Payne's like, to get answers, we have to go back to the beginning. Yeah. And Patrick is hanging on his every He said word. that just to me. I don't just know if he's looking into everybody's It's crazy soul. that I even heard it. Payne and I can communicate without speaking. We just sure. kind of look at each other and we know. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Payne, do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Payne is literally like, who is this queen and what is she talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. DM'd him once. He didn't DM me back. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Now that's the real tea that totally. is scalding. So we meet Maria Harbor Woods, who's Tara's BFF. Tara was very loving, very friendly, just a happy soul. She'd always had just a positive attitude and loving heart. 
She was just a good person. She loved teaching. She loved the relationship with the kids. She wanted to see them not only do well in school, but in life. We're looking through like all these old photos and Tara loved teaching and to hear that Tara like really wanted her students to do well in life and she and tried school, to like engage them. That's super important. Yeah. And we also meet Wendy McFarland. Oh my God. Who is uh, Tara's friend and colleague and she's being interviewed by Meredith who's on Payne's team. Hi Meredith. We were friends at South by Southwest that time. Meredith, <laughs> you did something <laughs> later on. I love, I just aspire to it. We'll, we'll get to you in a mere moment. Yeah. It's just more about like how great Tara was with these students. Tara was a force. She was the consummate teacher. She loved teaching. She just embraced the kids and did everything that she could to relate to them and to help them become better students and better people. She was just fantastic. So now we're, we're at Monday, October 24th, 2005, and Tara doesn't show up to work, which is a big deal. Yeah, the lights are dark in her classroom, and that's when like everyone is like, oh shit, Tara would never no-call no-show to school. Right, and she hasn't been seen since this barbecue the night of the sweet potato pageant. So Maria, one of her friends, goes over to Tara's house, and Tara's car was there. It all looked totally normal, except for a couple things that were not at all normal. Her house looked normal. Like the telephone was on the floor in the bathroom, which I thought was odd. I saw her alarm clock was blinking and it was underneath her bed. And you could see that the lamp was broken. And Tara's cell phone was still there. You guys, we went through this with Susan Cox Powell. Yes. When the cell phone is still there, it's never good. Even in 2005, people took their cell phones with them. That's a big red fucking flag. It's a big deal. Yeah. So Maria, her friend is telling us like that first night that they realized Tara was missing, the entire town came out like in force. And of course, like Maria is thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Like, oh my God, what if they're right here in this group of people? Like, the killer. Yeah, the killer or the person who kidnapped her. I just couldn't help but think, what if he's right here with us? And I knew chances were that there was somebody in that crowd that knew something. Bitch, the fucking killer is here. Like, look, 100%. She's, she's definitely taking flashlights and putting them in people's faces. She's like, somebody knows something. <laughs> Someone is here. Yes. So Tara's disappearance is everywhere, right? right? So local police starts to investigate and they find her car is there, her cell phone's there, but they find a business card like in her front door. Yeah. And it's Heath Dykes who's a police officer who was married. But also Tara's dog Dolly Madison was in the backyard. Dolly Madison. What a great name for a dog. And there was this latex glove in the lawn, which comes back later, kind of. Yeah. I, mean, I remember hearing that in the podcast and being like, what the fuck? A latex glove in the front? Is the murderer so lazy that they're right. like taking the glove off but and like just dumping it in the yard? And are the cops so lazy to be like, eh, she'll call us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave my car. Just, isn't it all hands on deck when it's like, right. the lamp is broken, the, the landline <laughs> Right. is in the bathroom <laughs> off the hook probably Dolly <laughs> Madison <laughs> doing <laughs> circles <laughs> in the backyard yeah the dog is incensed yeah. and stressed out <laughs> I'll just leave my card. What? For who? Right, Do totally. your goddamn job. Yeah, Heath. And then we get this whole thing about how like before the arrest of Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes law enforcement had a long list of potential suspects. According to the GBI Tara's case was complicated because she was involved in several romantic relationships at the time she disappeared. Before the arrest of the two current suspects, the police had a lot of ideas. Right, so it's Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes are like the, the people current arrested. Yeah. yeah. But the GBI, and that's the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, uh, yeah. is like, look, this case was hard because she was connected to a lot of people in the sense that she was in several romantic relationships at the time of her disappearance. To which I have, get it, 
beauty queen. Look, come <laughs> on. Like young, smart, single, gorgeous. You get it, get Tara it. Get it, girl. So now, remember the police business card, Heath Dykes? Yeah. We're being told that, like, not only was he, like, a family friend that the Grinsteads knew, like, forever, but apparently Tara was having an affair with him in 2005 when she went missing. Right. So Heath was married. Yeah. When they were in this relationship. And apparently Tara was in a relationship with someone named Marcus Harper. So he's a police officer. He's an army ranger. He's, like, that kind of beefy guy that I'm not into. Okay. <laughs> he also did, like, tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, if that matters at all. <laughs> he Thanks got, so yes. much for your service, they, Marcus. Absolutely, Marcus. Marcus came home from the military kind of earlier than we had expected. And they had a little falling out a couple of weeks before she went missing. It was one of those things where I guess in the back of my head, I knew that he could have been a possibility, but there were so many possibilities out there. I just didn't know. Both Heath and Marcus are considered like prime suspects at the time. Another person, Anthony Vickers. Oh yeah, the former student. Yeah, so he's a former student and like he was arrested at Tara's house like six months before she disappeared. This is very important. Um, Vickers believes that he has had a relationship with Tara. He had a big crush on her. He went to her house, started bamming on the door. A neighbor called police. It's important to talk about it a little bit because it establishes that Tara sort of had a pattern of having maybe sexual relationships with former students. Right. Because Ryan, the kid that's now currently like under arrest for her murder, he was also a former student and also claims to have been having a sexual relationship with Tara. Right. So Anthony Vickers says, look, yeah, I was in a sexual relationship with Tara, but also gave the cops everything they could possibly ask for. So what went down when the GBI reached out to you? I think they asked me if I would do like uh DNA swab, would I be okay with that? The lie detector and some other thing. So you did a DNA swab? Yeah, I did all that. What were the results of your lie detector test? Oh, they said I was good there. He gave like the DNA, he took the polygraph test and they like stopped looking at him immediately. Right. I'm like, but you were arrested at her house though. So maybe give her some space. Don't be a dick. (laughs) But he did do everything right like on paper. Yeah. I mean, all of this is just background. Like none of this turns out to be anything. And this is what Payne was like learning through the course of the podcast. Right. And they were all clear at all these men. All these. So it was like the cop was weird. The ex-boyfriend was weird. This Anthony Vickers was weird. But none of them did it. Yeah. You guys, Payne is now sitting down at a picnic table with Nancy Grace. <laughs> oh, Nancy Grace is here. Oh my god. At a picnic table <laughs> in r- rural Georgia. <laughs> Take us through it, girl. So Nancy Grace and Payne Lindsay are sitting at this picnic table. That sounds like the start of a joke. It sounds like a dream I had (laughs) that I am now telling you. So, Uh girl, I had this dream. It's so fucking crazy. But Payne Lindsay and Nancy Grace were outside this Uh overcast Georgia. They were at a picnic table. (laughs) And Nancy Grace was saying that she was very, like, pro-woman in this conversation. Again, sounds like a dream I had. Because the thing about Nancy Grace is that she's become famous for being hard. Horrible, really. Yeah. Like, she started as a prosecutor. We did this at Lacey Peterson, yeah. you know? So, Scott Peterson broke her. Right. <laughs> we know Nancy Grace is, like, a fear monger, and, like, if someone is ever, like, seen guilty in the court of law, there's no chance they could be innocent. Uh-huh. Like, Adnan, West Memphis 3, like, she will never see another side of it. Yeah. And she slut shames. Yes. We've seen her do it. Yes. Just go to YouTube. Like, she does it. <laughs> so now, suddenly, she's like, another issue with Tara Grinstead that has got to be addressed before this case is taken to court is the sly, clever innuendo that has been utilized to smear Tara Grinstead. 
suggesting she was asleep around. I don't like that the media, and I'm like, you? <laughs> I don't like that the media smeared Tara. They're calling her a sleep around. <laughs> when she said sleep around, I gasped. A sleep around. And I, I have in my notes, who is this person? And now Nancy Grace is just like. Tara Grinstead was not a sleep around. She was young and single and unmarried. If a guy dated a lot of girls, no one would think anything of it. He'd be a playboy. Instead, if she's dated a lot of people, somehow that makes her bad. That's not true. If a guy dated a lot of girls, he'd be a playboy. Yeah. She is young, she is single, she is unmarried, and she's asleep around. I don't. It is on the shoulders of the media to undo that. That is not fair. That is not who she is. And I'm like, who the fuck is this person? I know. Because Nancy Grace does the complete opposite I... of that on a daily goddamn basis. I will also say the pain is like just sitting there trying to maintain his composure as she is like spit yelling at him. And she's like, many people, and I've noticed it's always a man that suggests her radiance, her friendliness somehow resulted in her murder. The suggestion that her friendliness caused her death is so misplaced. A killer murdered her. You know what I noticed? It's always a man. Yeah. It's always a man who's like, you know, they mentioned her radiance, her friendliness, and that <laughs> caused her death. You know who caused her death? The murderer. <laughs> and I'm like, the most offended I am is that I fucking agree with her again. I know. I know. And now I'm looking, I'm like, wow, our listener's going to be like, well, bitch, you just like Nancy Grace. I don't. <laughs> Because it's been so many times where I'm like, she's annoyingly uh -huh. saying the right thing. But I feel like when, like, you know, like cable news people, they're just like speaking into a void. Yes. But I feel like when she's like, oh, the Payne Lindsay special based yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> now she's on her best behavior. I'm not buying it. So Payne is telling us Tara Grinstead disappeared on October 22nd, 2005. For 12 years, the case was cold. Then in 2017... The Georgia Bureau of Investigation arrested two of Tara's former students. Once again, we're being told that like Payne and his team isn't buying what the GBI is selling. Well, because they're like, who are these people and why would they want to kill Tara? Exactly. Like, let's dive into that. So we learn that, according to Payne, Ryan is from a, quote, low-income family and has a history of drug abuse. And we'll get into that later because that's yes. important. Yeah. And so Ryan eventually moves in with Bo after graduating from high school. They were like high school friends. Right. And so now Bo has a history of breaking the law. In 2013, he was arrested for embezzling $150,000 from the U.S. Army? I was like, what? First of all, how do you do that? Like, from the Army? Like, you want to just, like, mess with the government? I've seen a few good men. You can't handle it. You can't the handle truth. it, yeah. Can you imagine if Nicholson had been me? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Tom Cruise-ness aside. Right. It's a great script. So now in 2017, we meet Brooke Sheridan, and she's Bo Duke's girlfriend. Yes. She calls the GBI with info on Tara. In her statement to the GBI... Brooke claimed that Ryan Duke murdered Tara and asked Bo to help dispose of her body. Brooke's story is that Ryan Duke killed Tara Grinstead, mm -hmm. came to his best friend who he was living with, Bo Dukes, and said, Ryan says, hey man, you know, come with me. They go take a ride. And that is where Ryan pulled up onto Tara's body with Bo in the truck, and it was on the orchard that his family owns. They moved her and they disposed of the body. Do you know how? 
burning. This is really bad, you guys. This is this is hard to hear. It's tough. But they bury her in this is another thing. They bury her in a pecan orchard, which Bo's family owns. Right. But then a couple weeks later, they dig her up and they cremate her like in a fire it's on the horrible. property. It's horrible. Yeah. So that's Brooke's story. And based on that story and nothing else, the police go and arrest these two. And I'm sorry, Oxygen, I don't think they do a great job of explaining this. No. I think what's happening is that they don't ever talk about how successful Payne Lindsay's podcast was up in Vanished. It was so, 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 so successful. So the Tara Grinstead case, everyone's talking about it. They're gonna solve it. And so I think what we eventually get to with this guy, Bo, is that Brooke says to him, girl, you either did it, you were involved somehow, you're gonna be the one to go to the cops first and make a deal and throw your friend Ryan under the bus. Right. We learn later from a lawyer that who's not involved in the case, but who Payne is now like speaking to. Yeah. Says, and it's something where it's like, oh shit, when you hear it said like this, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. He wants to get out in front of it and get a deal because the first person to talk always gets the deal. He was smart enough to know that if he went forward and gave the police something that they wanted, that he would be in a better position to get a deal. We hear that all the time. All the time. Yeah. And the first person who talks gets to tell the narrative. So if Bo actually killed Tara, hey, my friend Ryan did it and he made me help him move the body. Yeah, the kid from the low-income family. Exactly. Let's look at him. Because the thing about Bo, you guys, his family has this billion-dollar pecan company. Who has a pecan company? Yeah, and Bo's family is also, like, powerful in the town. Bo Dukes comes from a powerful family. His grandfather... Newt Hudson, was a Georgia state representative for 20 years. And the family owns Hudson Pecans, a billion dollar business. They've got money. They've got political influence. Right. This all is going to benefit Bo. We yeah. got to go back to Wendy, the teacher. Yeah. Wendy, Tara's friend. I'm like, why are we back to Wendy talking about Bo? <laughs> right. And she's like, Ryan was a student here. I did not teach him, but I did know him. And I've been friends with his family my whole life. When I heard the name, I was flabbergasted. The other suspect, Bo, is my cousin. It was just so unreal. I was flabbergasted, mostly because Bo is my cousin. <laughs> this is when Meredith and I did the same. This is what I've been screaming about, about Meredith. She does that closed lid eye roll and head shake. Because Wendy's like, Bo's my cousin. Yeah. And Meredith, silently speaking directly to me, uh -huh. just goes... <laughs> like Meredith was prepped obviously this is an oxygen production right, yeah but there's something about hearing it we're like I, I love that whoever the editor the final cut of it was like we need Meredith's face in that I want her face in that because she's like bitch are you it's funny having spent some time with Meredith I could say if Payne Lindsay is my soulmate Meredith is your soulmate yes if the four of us went on a double date like Payne and I at the end of that would be like okay I guess maybe we'll text be like you, bye we're you, staying for another round exactly. you guys are leaving bye just me and Meredith just like the yes. clothes lid eye roll is like a really big uh -huh. moment T totally and she's just like girl no I know. <laughs> everyone in this little town is related this is something that i really i really want to say yeah so wendy talks about Bo, and meredith is like tell me more about that like yeah. your cousin Bo, the murderer yeah and so wendy says something that i really want to say like i totally disagree with she says this thing where she's like you know Bo, he was always the kid who went to the beat of a different drum Bo was not always known to be truthful. Bo was not the perfect kid. 
you know, he wasn't always known to be truthful and he walked to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. They are not the same. One million percent. So if you are the person who walks to the beat of your own drum, if you're the town weirdo, the school weirdo, the yep. family weirdo, that does not also make you not truthful. That totally. does not also make you a murderer or a liar. And it just like, stop using that term to be like, I know he's a murderer, but he was always a little different. Yeah. You can be different and fucking awesome totally. and not a murderer. Yeah, I was gay in high school in 1996. I haven't killed anybody. Right? <laughs> Don't do like, oh, he was always a little weird. No. Uh-huh. Ooh, you uh-huh. can be weird and awesome. I swear. The two of us are here Living to tell proof. you. proof. Hashtag weird and awesome. Super weird. Also not murderers. <laughs> Oh, so everyone in this town is related. We hear more of this right now when we meet, what's his name? Clark Jones. Yeah. He's the manager of the theater where Tara went for like the beauty contest that night. Right. The individual that has come forward and admitted to the situation and who is now incarcerated, he is a distant relative of mine. Ryan Duke? Yes. Wow. And we aren't extremely close, but he is in my family. So Ryan Duke is your cousin? A distant cousin, yes. So this teacher is cousins with Bo Dukes, and this weird theater manager is cousins with Ryan Duke. Everybody is related. Right, and the thing is, this Clark Jones guy, fine, again, be weird, be awesome. He That's is really, he's definitely a character, this guy. He is like all too thrilled to be like, my theater? Yeah. That was the last place she was seen alive. And we don't do that here on this no, podcast. No. We don't glorify that shit. Right, we don't yeah. think that's cool. We my, think it's really tragic and awful. The whole reason this guy is in the documentaries, because now we're addressing that latex glove. Remember that latex glove they found in her yard? Yeah. So Tara goes missing. There's a latex glove found in her yard? Like, that is crazy. Yeah. So now this theater owner slash lover. Yeah. <laughs> theater lover, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like. It has been shared with me by more than one person that Tara was known, and she had a dog, as you know. Everybody knows about the dog that she loved so much that her neighbor next door took in after she disappeared. Tara would go out, I was told, in the yard from time to time and pick up uh, dog poop, and she would wear those disposable gloves. Uh, many people have told me. And there's <laughs> this know. is just all circumstantial. It's just like some guy telling yeah. Payne Lindsay sitting in the fourth row of his theater that he's yeah. very proud that Tara Grinstead was at the last time she was seen alive. Yeah. Is saying that Tara would sometimes pick up Dolly Madison, the dog's poop, yes. wearing latex gloves. Which actually makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> like, I feel like we can cross off the latex glove at this point. Right. So Payne's like... Although Clark's theory is interesting... It's just not that simple. If the prosecution finds DNA evidence linking Ryan or Bode to the latex glove, it could play a key role in the outcome of this trial. So it's an interesting theory, but it's not that simple. And I'm like, God, I hate, like, oxygen with the filler. Okay, so there's nothing. You could have said that earlier, like, and the cops found a latex glove. It meant nothing. She used it to pick up the poo from her dog. Right. We didn't have to go to the... To the theater? To the theater. I always love going to the theater. I was going to say, we strongly encourage you going to the theater. Go to the theater. So now the big question mark is, like, Ryan and Bo, did they actually do what they're accused of? Mm -hmm. And if so, why would they have done it? And the thing that that's important here is that Ryan's name was only in the investigation because Bo mentioned it. There's no real evidence against Ryan. That's really important to remember. But the other thing about Ryan, and we may as well talk about it here, is that he confessed to the murder. And we know this, you know, true crime fans. Yeah. People are interrogated within an inch of their life all the time and confess to things they didn't do. You know, Brendan Dassey and uh, Jesse Miss Kelly from the West, West Memphis 3. Yeah. And we will find out in a super awkward interview with Ooh. Ryan's mother. Oh, it's warm in here. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that Ryan was like, high on morphine when they interrogated him. Right. So there's like more important people coming up, but guess who's back first? Oh no. Nancy Grace is be? here. <laughs> and Payne is really, really trying hard to get her to have like a real conversation here he at really the picnic is. table. He's got those glasses on. He is keeping a straight face and he's like, and Nancy is like spit yelling at him. And he's like, so what do you think of Bo, Nancy right. Grace? Yeah. This is where she thinks that Ryan and Bo have the same last name. <laughs> so she keeps saying Bo Dukes and Ryan Dukes. So Payne's like, Nancy, what do you think of Bo? And she's like, well, you know, I'm just not sure if I hate him as much as I hate Ryan Dukes. And <laughs> Payne's like, not the right name. And Payne pushes her, though. So Payne's like, yeah, right. But can you admit that maybe Ryan isn't the full on monster you thought? Like, is there a chance that maybe there's more to this? Right. Which is what I'm screaming whenever she comes up where I'm like, will you admit that maybe there's another side, please? Right. Because remember, Ryan is like poor and not connected and Bo is rich and connected and out on bail. And they wanted to bury Tara, which is so horrible, but on his family property, like Ryan, it just doesn't make any sense. Right, exactly. So she's like, girl, she doesn't say girl, <laughs> uh, but she's like, pain. You know, you're asking me to pick between Satan and Billsbub, so it's kind of a hard distinction to make. And if you want somebody to help dispose of a body, who do you approach? Nuns and priests and virgins? No, you approach somebody like Bo Dukes. You're asking me to choose between the devil and Beelzebub. <laughs> so... When she said Beelzebub, I had to look up what that meant. It's just another name for the devil. But she says it, she pronounces it wrong. Yes. And then she adds, she Nancy Graceifies it. Yes, yes. And so poor Payne is looking to the producers like, do we have it? <laughs> because she's clearly not going to say, I'm trying to get her to maybe see the other side of this uh -huh, thing that uh -huh. I've worked all these years on and that I've kind of proven to her <laughs> that maybe the table should be turned and Bo was really the mastermind behind this totally. and poor Ryan was just sort of, did horrible things, right. but didn't kill Tara. Right. Like right. probably it's Bo and Nancy's like, well, and you could see it in her face where she's like, pain, sweetheart, you're trying to ask me to pick. And I'm like, Nancy. I know. And she's like, no. Yeah. No bitch, she's no bitching, and I'm like, girl, the tortoise is own oh, no bitch. Don't you circle. don't you no bitch me? Get that finger out of my face. Hashtag circle the tortoises. Circle the tortoises. So now we meet this guy Zach, and he's Ryan's friend. Yeah, Zach Gerard. Right, and so he's just like, look, you know, Ryan's a very calm individual, non-confrontational guy, very quiet, very polite. He's an artsy kind of guy. He likes poetry. He is kind of like a hopeless romantic type. Calm and non-confrontational and a hopeless romantic and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm saying blah, 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 because it's like, can we get to the point? Yeah. Do you think he was involved <laughs> in this? Because everyone has written shitty poetry in their lives. Like, did he kill Tara Grinstead? Yes or no? Because the whole thing about Ryan Duke is that he confessed to the murder, but now he's pleading not guilty. Right. So he said he did it in the interrogation, but now he's pleading not guilty. Right. And it's frustrating because we don't hear from Ryan. We don't hear from Ryan's lawyers. Right. You know, they don't have access to any of those people. So Payne's saying to Zach, like, why do you think he did that? And he's like, because he didn't do it. He confessed under duress, but he didn't do it. Right. And there's a very important back and forth here where it's like, look. Do you think Ryan confessed to this murder? I believe that Ryan has told several different stories in forms of confessions. To the cops? Yes. Why would he have three different versions of what happened? From what I've been told is one of them was a story that was what Bo told him happened. 
Then some other friends that told him what happened, and it wasn't like exactly what Bo said. When you tell the truth, there's one version of the truth. And when you haven't, exactly. the story changes constantly, Jay from Serial. Yep, exactly. So you tell a hundred different stories. And Ryan when- had like three different versions of this murder. And now apparently, Zach has heard from, of course, everyone says this, a very, 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 capital with a capital V, very reliable source, <laughs> that Ryan was on drugs, on morphine when he was confessing, quote, confessing. And it's in this exchange somewhere too, and this is kind of important that we start to learn that there were also other people involved. So it's like Ryan and Bo and then three other friends. So it's so funny because he pain pushes Ryan to be like, give me names. Just give me first names. And I'm like, oh my God. There was five people there that night. Who were they? First names? There was Ryan. There was Bo. There was There was There was Ryan and Bo and then they beep beep. Boop, I'm like, God damn it. I was, so, I was, I, shoulders up. Like, I was so ready to type. I was, you have the Google fingers ready names. to go? No, just to write down in my notes. Like, oh, oh my yeah. God, oh my God, oh my God, their names. Yeah. And so I have Ryan, comma, Bo, comma, and bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> Redacted, 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 redacted. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, like, Zach is like, look, they were all former students. They're all involved in a cover up. And I'm like, could it be? Maybe they were all drunk and hammered, and now they all know the story. But maybe it's just I can't imagine like five bumpkins pulling this off. At five bumpkins in a town of three thousand people, where everybody knows everybody. No, I'm no. looking at you, Bo. Yeah, I, I don't like you, Bo. From the information presented in this documentary, my theory is that Bo did it. Ryan helped him dispose of the body, and then Bo pinned it on Ryan. Right, the poor kid. Yeah, because again, at the time of the documentary, Bo was like out on bail and Ryan was like in jail. Like Bo got the good deal because he spoke first. Right, and he has like a rich, like famous family, like a really big, important family in this town. Exactly. We need to talk about Karen O'Neill, Ryan's mother. If we don't talk about her, I will scream. I will walk out and quit the pod. So Payne tells us that he's got like a texting relationship with Ryan's mom. Mm -hmm. And they've been texting and texting. And like a few days ago, she went silent. Also, the music here is straight out of a shitty horror movie. But the film, it's horrible. Hey, Karen. It's horrible. I really, I don't, I resent it. I don't appreciate it at all. At all. So, like, Kara doesn't want to be on camera, but... Well, can we set the scene? We have to, so- I guess. I was going to try. It's more, oh, my God. We're an hour in. I'm I know, just trying I to be good. So, Payne rolls up in this, like, badass truck that he, I swear he's rented. Just a car. Like, I- it's a badass truck. You love him so much. You care about cars all of a sudden? A badass truck? Never in my life have you said anything like that about an automobile. Never once did you care about a fucking car. So, Payne rolls up in a truck and so it's this thing where he's mic'd up but the camera stays in the car well she just didn't want to be on camera but she's right. like you can talk to me because smartly she's like well if you've talked to me on the podcast then I right. can talk I can you can mic me up well so we get like the back of pain because he's standing in between the camera and the mom and it's from far, far enough away. away they're just little you can't make out her face at no, all no at all so she's saying like he's getting really scared pain because he doesn't feel like his lawyer is really trying to help him he said he thinks that his lawyer wants him to take a deal and he said mom I didn't do this I'm not taking a deal oh it's just so fucking awful because if he really didn't do it his lawyer still might have his best interest at heart by trying to get him to take a deal because you confessed to the murder and for most dumb juries that's all you need on the other side of it Karen tells us that the DA has a conflict of interest I learned that the DA was in a conflict of interest because um 
his son is friends with Bo. Bo's got him a sweet deal. And he said, well, it's a career-making case. That's why he doesn't remove himself. Because, of course, yeah. the DA's son is friends with Bo because everyone's fucking related or friends of friends of friends in this town. Yeah, but the big moment here is that the mom tells Payne that there were three other people involved with, quote, destroying the body. So she confirms what Zach told us. Were there five people there that night, those guys? All I hear about is after. That after they what? All, after she was killed. They all were involved in destroying her body. All of them? Yeah. Where are you hearing this from? I'm only asking because I just want to know if it's I true just, or not. Well, I can't say it. It's a very reliable source. And so Payne gets back into the car and he's like, well, that was shocking. <laughs> Right. And commercial. Yeah, and like the big news out of all of this is that there's lots of people involved in this conspiracy to murder Tara Grinstead and get rid of the body. But like, why isn't the GBI like talking to these other three people? Well, this is the thing. And we hear this throughout. Like, we don't know what they have. Like, we don't get anyone from the GBI talking on the documentary. They may have interviewed those other people. We just don't know. Uh-huh. So like, this documentary is not about talking to the authorities. I'm sure they tried. When they couldn't get them, they are just telling the story of what they think happened. Then why are we here? Well, that's a fair question. And I, I think we're here because Payne made this podcast mm-hmm. out of which came these arrests. And I think that Payne feels that he has a right to continue investigating. Like, look, the podcast that I did shook enough stuff loose that these two arrests happened. Yeah. And now I'm going to go look into these arrests in the same way that I looked into the Tara Grinstead disappearance in the first case. So it's just a continuation of the podcast. Well, Payne, put on your glasses and your skinny pants and call me when you when you have some more information, because, you know, this shit drives me crazy. Like I just it'll keep me up at night. It's it's so sad and tragic to me. And that's why I get mad about it. (laughs) And it's fair. And, you know, I mean, it's the criticism that a lot of people have about podcasts like this that are made not by journalists. But in fairness, if we think that one of these two guys did murder her and some Somehow they got rid of the body. Like, thanks in part to Payne's podcast, we do have a resolution to the case. Right. And there, there is, you know, how I, you know, because of the West Memphis 3 and, and my friendship with Damien and Lori, like, the whole point is you just keep talking about it. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Just, you keep the case going with Adnan, the whole yep. thing. You just keep the case going. Totally. So in that sense, great. But for my job, I'm just like, but I want to have a clean end. I know. <laughs> I'm too mad and too sad about it. Where, okay. does, where does my anger go, Patrick, is what I'm asking It you. goes right, we funnel it right into this podcast, girl. <laughs> okay, it goes right into this microphone? Oh, good. <laughs> That's why people listen. (laughs) So there's this like fabulous, sexy lady lawyer that Payne talked to that we haven't gotten to yet. Ashley Merchant. Yeah. I love her. I love Ashley. She has Connie Britton hair. I love her. I love her. She was just a talking head. Well, in the end, we find out that Ashley has decided to take on Ryan's case. Right. Because she thinks that Ryan has been thrown under the bus. She thinks he falsely confessed. And and Ashley is on it. I think that he has been outmaneuvered by someone who is conniving and smarter and maybe knows the game and played the game a little bit better. And listen, she seems like if anyone's going to get this done, it's going to be her. Yeah, and she's kind of like, look, it all sucks. Yeah. Like, if he was part of it, then that's horrible. But yeah. like, he he should be prosecuted for the thing he actually did and not maybe confessing on morphine. Well, it also ends with Payne saying like, but yes, girl, but are we ever going to know what really happened? And I was just thinking about you because Ash is like, you may not be able to guarantee that the entire truth is going to come out. We just don't have the control over that. And so there's no way to say that everybody's going to know exactly what happened. I can tell you, I think people will know a lot more than they have historically because of the gag order and things like that um, once everything becomes public. But will everybody know exactly what happened? 
I don't think so. Well, we're probably going to like learn more, but no, girl, we're never going to know what happened. No, 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 no. (laughs) I'm mad still. (laughs) Kane, you can wear great glasses, have great eyes, know how to wear a pair of slacks, but I'm still going to be mad. I want to point it out that you have mentioned the slacks and I have not. Because I know you're going to. I just have to get ahead of it. At this point, I just have to get ahead of it. You guys, we did Oxygen's Up and Vanish. So we were confused when we decided to do this about whether this was a series or like a Mm one-off. So our friends at Oxygen have confirmed the first season was just this. And now they're coming back with season two that Payne's going to be hosting. It's going to be like five episodes, I think. And is it a different case? Different case per episode. And just tweet Payne and ask him to DM me back. That's all I'm asking. Look, I've asked him to tweet me 600 times in this app. All right, you guys, we've got a couple announcements. We're going to go through it real fast again. We are taking next week off from the regular feed. We only do it twice a year, and next week is one of them. However, we will have our first episode of The Disappearance of Natalie Holloway on the Patreon feed. And who knows, you might get a little surprise in the regular feed, too. Girl, we are making our Broadway debut. Okay. Oh, my God. We are going to be on Broadway June 1st. We are taking our show to Broadway, the Hayes Theater. We have a bunch of our fancy Broadway friends, Jessica Greeny, Ellen Marsh, Leslie Margarita, (gasps) are joining us for performances. We're going to do what we do. We're, We're recapping the Serpico documentary. Oh, it's gonna be bonkers. Get your tickets. Get them. We also launched a new podcast. Yep. It's called Obsessed with Abducted in Plain Sight. If you love me, please go subscribe. All four episodes drop March 2nd. Yeah, it's you and Sky Borgman from the documentary. It's Sky and me. Sky directed it. it we're taking behind the scenes in the way only we can. New interviews, new yeah. uh, footage, deleted scenes, plot lines that will make your hair fall out. If you turn your volume all the way up, you can hear me cheering on the sidelines. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, also, Seattle, we sized up our venue. We got some tickets on sale. Get them if you're coming. Then we're going to yeah. sell that again real fast. Yeah. Lastly, if you want more Jillian and me, get on the Patreon. Okay, uh, give me three, and they can't be the three that I said at the at the top. Three okay. things that we're covering. On the Patreon is where we cover the series that you want to discover episode by episode. So, Don't F with Cats, Lacey Peterson, and uh, the Menendez Murders. Oh, okay. <laughs> three we did really it. good ones. It stresses you out though, right? It does totally. When there are only three, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. We got through that fast. People can't be mad. Okay, don't be mad. Girl, what are we doing next? Oh my god. What? Dahmer on Dahmer. Yeah, we're doing Dahmer on Dahmer, you guys. It's a two-parter. I'm so, it's like the Dahmer thing is very terrifying, but I'm very interested to learn more. I don't like it. Yeah, it's gonna, yeah. I'm glad I decided to go back into therapy because <laughs> I think I, the Dahmer is, God, just I know. terrifying it's to me. It's very terrifying. Like, the, if, actually, the stuff of nightmares, like every other episode, but like... <laughs> You guys, I'm going to tell you where you can find us. Okay, do it. TrueCrimeObsessed.com. It's where you get your promo codes, see us live, Patreon, all of our episodes. Merch. Merch. There's some fun videos from our live shows. Go check it out. (laughs) They can find you at Julian with a G on all the things. Uh Uh-huh. And you're at Patrick Hines on Twitter and at Patrick Hines underscore on Insta. That's right. We love you, you guys. We love you. Thanks for hanging out. Stay tuned for the trailer for Dahmer on Dahmer, then our hilarious and ridiculous outtakes where I just talk about Payne Lindsay's face for five hours. And then I eye roll about it. It's like, I get it, but girl, we are at work. (laughs) We love you. We love you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I know society will never be able to forgive me. I know the families of the victims will never be able to forgive me for what I have done. Your Honor, it is over now. If we're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, we're talking about evil. He said, when you find out what I did, you're going to want to kill this me. This man killed 15 people, ate parts of their body. I consider myself a survivor. He's one of the great monsters of our time. I loved Jeff. 
because he was our son. This gave it horrific dimensions that went beyond the typical serial slayer. Crazy sick. Definition of evil. He was more normal than we want to think he was. And I thought that I'd just try to live as normally as possible, just bury it, but things like that don't stay buried forever. just hear that really creepy um beauty queen song that tori amos has oh yeah She's a beauty <laughs> whoa i do Your tori amos is good i do a good tori amos and people are preparing for the sweet potato festival beauty pageant they sure are to which i thought if it was about being shaved like a sweet potato i might have a chance <laughs> Enough. And, like, a good i will person. shut this shit down <laughs> you want the sweet potato crown or not I, we had the Cranberry Festival on Cape Cod. I was never Miss Cranberry Festival. Really? To nobody's surprise. <laughs> I want to recount on that. <laughs> Miss Cranberry Festival. I can't believe I didn't win. I can't, I can't believe it either. That voice. <laughs> so now, like, we cut to commercial. Now we're back. Yeah. Oh, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Um, I always have the commercial just because there's always like some bum 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 yeah, before the commercial. So I always like to know in my notes. Totally. Okay, please. I, I know his type. His music videos. I know his type. He drinks like craft beer. Of course he does. He's not a monster. Ugh. What do you want to drink? A Michelob? <laughs> yeah. Michelob is great. Low on the cows. Right. And if you're a murderer, then you're the bad guy. Right. <laughs> Have we made that clear right. in a hundred zillion episodes? If you're the murderer, you're the bad guy. If you're the rapist, you're the bad guy. I don't care what you wore right. or what you had to drink. I don't give a shit. You're pouring champagne. I'm pouring. I need it. I need some help with this. I'm going to top you off, too, because yes. God damn it. No, and you know she knows this. Totally. But it must be to hear it with the lights on in that yeah. context. Yes. And she's like, well, the thing about Bo is that he's my cousin. And she's just like, fuck. Yeah, sleep. Can we go back to sleep around real quick? <laughs> A sleep around. That oh is so old school. I've never even, I mean, I've heard of Run Around Sue. Is that what that song is about? Run Around Sue Keep is about? Keep away from Run Around <gasps> Sue? Slut shaming. I just thought she had like typhoid fever or something. 